Welcome to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast, where non-diet nutrition, weight-inclusive care, and integrative health collide. We're your hosts, Dana Montes and Christina Hoyt, licensed integrative clinical nutritionists and body image coaches. And we believe you deserve to have a joyful relationship with food in your body, even if you have a chronic health condition or symptoms that just won't quit. On this show, together and with our guests, we're bringing the real talk, no BS5, with tangible tools to help you pursue health and wellness without obsession or restriction. Remember our disclaimer, this podcast is meant for general information purposes only and should not be taken as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hey friends, it's Dana and welcome back to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast. So this week we have a return guest. It's Maria Sylvester Terry, also known as Vitamin Re on Instagram. And she is joining me today for a fun mix of a clinical discussion and also some lighthearted banter slash poking fun at the current and sometimes problematic state of intuitive eating and the anti-diet space on social media. So we're talking about how we both can work with gyms from a weight neutral perspective, even though most of the time when you assume that you're going to be working with or at a gym. It's always from a weight-centric perspective and always about weight loss. Not the case when you work with us. We're also talking about the difference between anti-diet and weight-neutral nutrition care and how to make nutrition shifts without becoming obsessed or feeling like you need to eliminate your cultural foods. And like I mentioned a little bit of the tea from before, we're also talking about how intuitive eating can sometimes feel like a dietitian sorority and how, quote unquote, the first rule of no food rules is that you don't talk about food rules, just like Fight Club. So a little bit more about Ree. So she is a registered dietitian nutritionist in New Orleans, serving communities of active folks who are ready for an energetic life beyond restrictive eating. Using a non-diet approach, Ree guides her clients to foster a positive relationship with food and to expand their knowledge of nutrition to go beyond diets. She incorporates performance nutrition strategies, body image work, and an endless supply of humor in her practice to guide you to your most energetic self. One last thing before we get started on the episode today. So in case you did not know, Christina and I have an exclusive membership community over at patreon.com slash wholehearted eating. And we just did some really fun restructuring over there. So we have two different membership groups. One is $5 a month where you're going to get access to a uh, seven months of bonus content currently. And then we're also launching a new tier where there's going to be Every other week, you're going to have a ton of bonus content in there. And this week in particular, we're doing a deep dive to continue our three-part functional medicine and labs discussion. Christina and I are going to be sharing our personal and recent experiences with weight stigma at the doctor's office, what to do when your practitioner doesn't order the labs that you want, and then also a little bit more about how to interpret cholesterol numbers from a non-diet approach. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, go on over to patreon.com slash wholehearted eating and you can learn more. You know what's crazy is I was looking back on the last time that you were on the show and I'm pretty sure it was like 2020 or like... I think it was 2020 because I just started my first job yeah. as a dietitian. Yes, that's and true. Yes, I have. I was staying. I was doing the interview at a friend's house because I came home and I didn't have internet. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember that. Yep. It's like a whole nightmare. Um, and I like got back just in time. But yeah, I was thinking about the same thing. Like it was a completely different time in my life. Yeah, like almost a totally different life. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah, it is for sure. <laughs> oh it is my for God. the better. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, let's jump in there, right? So mm-hmm. the last time for the listeners, if you have not been here for three years, the last time that Brea was on the show was we were pretty sure 2020. So let us yes. know, you know, like what's been going on since then, right? And mostly I'd love you to talk about how like the things that you've been doing in your business and how your mm-hmm. philosophy has changed over the years. I mean, even your approach to social media has drastically changed mm-hmm. over the past couple of years. And I'm just like cheering from the corner. But yeah, welcome Yay. back to the show. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Um, I, I need the listeners to know this is one of my favorite podcasts I ever recorded. <laughs> this is such a wholesome space. Uh, we have a lot of fun. I think we giggled our little faces off um, three years ago. <laughs> um, I'm in a very different place now. And I, when you said three years, it really hit me that I've been in this space for three years. Like I've at plus, right? Like I've been talking about this for three years. It feels like every day it's like the first week, <laughs> the first week I've been doing my job. So um, a really nice moment for me to be like, whoa, I've, I've been in this for a minute. And where I was previously kind of seeing clients on the side, um, and I had a full-time job at a nonprofit here in New Orleans. I am now running my own private practice, which is a huge umbrella of my like smaller things underneath of it, which is amazing. So I have my virtual clients that are either one-on-one or group, really moving into that group space. And it has been delightful. Uh, just really loving that. It brings me back to my old teaching days, because if you don't remember, I was a teacher before. I was a dietitian. And I also have an in-person practice here in New Orleans, and that's out of my gym crew fitness. And it is a weight neutral practice, uh, which is impeccably difficult. I think we're the only one of its kind here in in Louisiana, potentially. I mean, it's it's interesting. So there's a lot of fun energy there. Um, I have a podcast with my best friend, Lauren Lavelle, and that has been a joy. It's called Rest Days. And then I've even gotten myself into some fun teaching slash consulting opportunities with local companies here. Um, so whether it's like the local Lululemon or statewide Lululemon management team, um, our Reginelli's Pizza company here, like statewide pizza organization uh, business, it's just been awesome to bring a philosophy of nutrition that is different in an area where everyone is constantly being told they need to lose weight and stop eating sugar, right? The deep South kind of just gets that like backhanded nutrition info. So it is just a joy. I am really loving it. It is a relief to be in this space. It's also endless, you know, as a business owner, you know this, you can just work and work and work. Um, So I am learning to embrace less urgency and more joy every day that I can. Yes, I love it. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I always mention to new potential clients of mine is like, nutrition is not acute care so I will help you as best I can but like if you're having an allergic reaction or something please go to urgent care because you can message me at any hour of the day but I am not going to be responding at two o'clock in the morning so heck no no it is I I tell my clients there's no such thing as a nutrition emergency unless of course it's anaphylaxis and then I'm out right yeah yep not our scope Yep, completely. Oh my gosh. Um, Okay, well, so speaking of the gym, right? And so having a weight neutral practice in the gym, you know, you mentioned like being in the deep south, you're getting this kind of backwards nutrition information or really what was the norm of nutrition information for so long. But then having a weight neutral kind of safe space within even any kind of gym can seem or may seem backwards to some people on the outside. They're like, well, wait a minute. I thought exercise was always about losing weight. So can you tell us a little bit more about what that's like? 
Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, it's so hard and it's so <laughs> relevant. Um, I'll give you an example from today. So I meet with our gym owner every week. We have a couple of co-working sessions together. We are just great pals. And my business is adjacent to the gym. It's not in the gym. So I highly recommend that for any dietitian who wants to work at a gym is just be a contractor and do not be like, do not give your practice to the gym. Let it be your thing. And um, we were having a conversation about meeting people in limbo. And he said, I think we're missing this huge audience of people that, you know, they look at our content, they look at what you do, they read your testimonials, and they don't see pounds lost, fat lost, they don't see, you know, uh, they don't see anything but like, you know, lifting more weights, metabolism is like, <laughs> back to normal, feeling good, I sleep better, my cholesterol is down, like they see all these other wonderful things. And he said, you know, how do we meet these people that are afraid to like, post in the Facebook group? Hey, who wants to do Whole30 with me? And I said, the fact that they are afraid to post that means we are doing our job because they're thinking. I don't want them to be afraid, yeah. but it means <laughs> they're thinking. So I'm in the business of making people think a little bit more than they used to about why we do the things we do with our bodies and how we treat our bodies. And I give a lot of space to folks that, I mean, I would say nine out of 10 consults I get at the gym or just people that are interested. I have a second dietitian at the gym now, which is really special. And she's like, everybody wants to lose weight. I thought we don't do that. I said, well, we, we don't tell people I am your partner in intentional weight loss. We do offer informed consent. <laughs> like, yeah. this is what I am willing to help you with, uh, improving your energy levels, eating consistently feeling comfortable in your body, feeling confident about your food choices, regularly grocery shopping, planning meals that feel good and satiating to you, decreasing those cravings you might have in the evening. That's what we do. Is that, are you interested in that? And uh, they all say yes. <laughs> so whether or not their body changes, they really get invested in a different way of thinking, a different way of treating their body. It's an uphill battle because other gyms will post before and after photos. Other gyms will have uh, paleo challenges still, Whole30 challenges, like other gyms are still doing it and they're making money. And it kind of feels like, well, that's the only way we can make money. And it's just not the truth. Um, so I find that when it comes to running a practice in a gym setting, which like is like an ex CrossFit setting as well, it is, um, making space for people to feel a little confused walking them through it and saying, Hey, I know that this might seem like another language to you, but really we're just in the business of you feeling better and you feeling good in your body. And that typically is the bridge. Um, it can't be anti-dieter. We've had that conversation before. Like it can't be anti-person, anti your ideas. It's really like, does it have to be that way? Is that the only way that you can take care of your health and your nutrition? Is the only way you feel better in your body by being a size two again? Are we sure about that? Like, let's really look at that. Um, so it's it's a challenge. It's fun. And I find that it's a safer space. The gym is just a happy place to be because people are welcome to be themselves. They're not afraid of being somebody's before photo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's tough too because until someone comes upon a space like the ones that we have, they've all what they've always been told is, oh, losing weight will give you all of the things that you just mentioned when it's like well just losing that weight in whatever way possible is not going to give you more energy feeling better about yourself better cardiovascular markers like all of the other things those things may come as a side effect of the behavior changes that you do weight which may or may not change the size and shape of your body but you'll sure. start to realize that like 
oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> just just losing weight in whatever way possible is not the key that's going to unlock the happiness of my life. But that's kind of the narrative that we've been fed for so long. Right. Right. And then you layer in the fact that uh, most doctors aren't receiving updated or adequate nutrition education. So th they are being bombarded with information from their doctor. My doctor said I have to lower my A1C and the only way to do that is by losing weight. Mm -hmm. um, like uh, there's a lot of, of that happening. And then there's you layer in um, the GLP-1 medications right now, like you layer it all in. And I might be the only person that they see in their entire lives so far that's like, you don't have to go on a diet to change your cholesterol, potentially, right? Like there's a potential that like a different type of nutrition shift helps. It's possible that medication is the only way, like there's so many possibilities here, right? Um, it's, it's sometimes hard to be that person, but I'd rather be that person than not be myself. Yes, yes, exactly. Well, it's even tough too because, you know, no matter who you are, if you go to the doctor and your cholesterol is one point out of the range, and I can say this because this literally just happened to me this morning when I was looking oh my at goodness. my annual labs. I know, and this is wild to me because in our consult, a little behind the scenes for everybody, right? Like in our consult, yeah. I'm like, yeah, they know I'm a dietitian. Like it's all in my, you know, paperwork and whatever. Cause the people there are always like, oh, what do you do? Oh, I could stand to lose a few pounds. And I'm just like, oh my God, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, every time I'm not going to enter this conversation, but I'm like, sure. You know, <laughs> actually, no, I would never say sure to that. I don't even remember what I said. I just kind of like blacked <laughs> it out, but they were like, oh, you know, they're asking me about exercise and movement and stress and electrolytes and all these other things. And I was like, yeah, you know, here's what's going on and whatever, like nothing's really wrong. And then we had a conversation about BMI and I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'm just like, I don't, insurance does not have the time to pay for this visit that I could be waxing poetic Correct. about BMI. But then also <laughs> in, in the notes that they just sent me today, they were like, oh, you know, you're, this part of your cholesterol was one point out of the range. So make sure you reduce this and make sure you exercise this and blah, 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 blah. And I just wanted to be like, have you looked at any research in the last 15 years? <laughs> because <laughs> if so, you know that this is the not the way to do it. I'm just like, oh God, it's yep. so frustrating. And that's coming from someone who lives in a very privileged body and space, right? Like I am a white, small, conventionally small female. And they're like, oh, you should be doing this. And I'm also a dietitian. So I have all of the years of research and background and clinical experience to be like, oh yeah, I can kind of separate myself from this situation and be like, whatever, you know, this doesn't apply to me. Like, yes, if my cholesterol was a lot higher, I had genetic stuff, sure, we can have that conversation. But it's like, you're saying this to me as a small white female who has a whole lot of privilege in where I grew up and that's what you're saying to me. Imagine what they're saying to anyone who has any kind of marginalized identity. And when you stack those on top of each other, it's going to be even harder to access the care that you want, especially non-discriminatory care. And it's just like, oh my yeah. God, it got me so fired up this morning. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, uh, understandably, and even with uh, all the privileges that you hold, like I'm still disappointed that that happened I... for you. And right, like I think holding space for the fact that like that's not acceptable, period, um, I've seen consults where folks get directions, low cholesterol diet. Yeah. I mean, we, the jury's been out on dietary cholesterol causing <laughs> high, you know, serum cholesterol, right? Like, but we know there's a lot of other things that we can add 
to our nutrition that can help just like things that feel baseline and then think like at worst it's not helpful or at best it's not helpful mm -hmm. at worst it is it is so harmful that someone participates in a line of thinking like i shouldn't go back to that doctor mm -hmm. i shouldn't i shouldn't be eating this much i shouldn't be uh doing xyz thing worse uh i shouldn't be eating my cultural foods right like full-blown disconnect and dysregulation from self from identity like those moments really matter and i find that sometimes not all of my clients have a physician that's going to see them and their nutrition if from a broader scope. It is often just like inputs and outputs. Yeah. So it can be very challenging. And we have healthcare professionals that work at our gym that might actually believe those things. Yeah. So there, there's uphill battles uh, in many different conversations with clients wherever wherever you practice. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, another adding another layer of difficulty on this because both of us practice from a non-diet perspective is if and or when something like that comes up in your labs or you're having symptoms, but then you're like, but but I don't want to do the diet thing anymore. I don't want to do the restriction, restriction mm -hmm. thing anymore. And then people tend to fall in this like no man's land, which is like, well, I can't do the anti-diet thing. And that seems pretty extreme to me because a lot of it is extremely extreme. And then on the other hand, they're like, well, I know that doing a low cholesterol diet or, you know, whatever that is, or like a Whole30 or any of these things is also not going to be helpful for me. So what the heck am I supposed to do? And I, what I wanted to bring in here was I loved so much your recent post that you did. The first rule of no food rules is that you don't talk about food rules, right? And just the whole mm -hmm. like intuitive eating dietitian sorority and stuff. So can, can we go there? Because I saw that and I was like, yes, oh my God, I can't yes. wait to talk about this. <laughs> So I must clarify that um, this is a um, a Clara Re combo. Your dietitian BFF uh, sent me these absurd uh, white ladies laughing at salad AI <laughs> graphics. It was like, you need to meme these and we need to collab because I don't have anything scheduled tomorrow and I would really like to post this. So we went in on it together and the, the caption of the answers are in my ebook is actually furthering the parody, right? So I'm not selling anything whatsoever. <laughs> it's more, um, it's just an ongoing joke that the, the thing that we're seeing, I think we're all seeing, right, is that just as commodified as dieting has become, so has anti-dieting, which seems to kind of play into the symptoms of a white supremacy society, which is that there's one right way, either or thinking, right to comfort. And we're seeing that come up, of course, um, in ourselves, right? It comes up, um, but also comes up in um, practitioners who are pretty diligent about upholding the standards of intuitive eating, upholding the rules of what it means to be a non-dieter. In fact, even personifying it, right? Like um, using diet culture as like a shared bully, and talking about diet culture as if it's like this person in a room is really mean to you when it is a symptom of a society that's <laughs> so much wrong with it. Um, so it was a, a silly and also terrifying, those images are awful, sort of way of reminding us as practitioners in non-diet spaces that there is no one right way to eat intuitively. 
Additionally, eating intuitively requires privilege. Furthermore, eating intuitively with neurodivergencies is deeply complicated and may feel impossible. Um, feeling so dysregulated from dieting might mean that you don't know your intuition and then that you might actually not trust it because your intuition is saying, yeah, you need to eat all the brownies because the next time you see one, you're not going to be allowed to have one. So right like that kind of practice of restrict binge over and over again. Um, so no ebooks here. <laughs> just um just, just a, making fun of them. Yeah, just an unfriendly reminder that like, like yeah, you can't download someone's, you know, recipe book, ebook, you can't join someone's master class. <laughs> fix your whole and, self. <laughs> and fix your whole self. And thank God it's the thin white lady who taught me how to eat intuitively. Like there's something sort of um complicated, I will say nicely, about um assigning that to another individual like they're the ones that saved you from dieting when you know it, we need to save each other oh uh, yes <laughs> the white community. savior it's complex <laughs> yes it's a it's i left teaching for a reason y'all like <laughs> i did not need i did not need to find another avenue into that oh my god i think we have to remember that it's community care that it isn't that one person has all the right answers and that there's one person with all the right followers and is doing it all right um that we as a community can serve a lot of people if we allow for space and nuance. Right. And I, I think that's the thing. And, you know, I think we talked about this like three years ago, but that's the thing that's always going to be so difficult about nutrition is finding the middle ground and doing truly personalized nutrition, like down mm -hmm. to the individual, not like a group of people or everybody who has hypothyroidism or everybody who has a history of trauma or, you know, any of these other things. You can never generalize that much, but that in itself is not clickbaity, right? That's not going to get you the followers. That's not going to get you all the shares. Oh, that's, yes, yes, yes. that's not going to get you yes. all the things. And you'll see, you know, if you really go into like analytics of things on, um, or if you just start to pay attention to this stuff more about who are the people in the either intuitive eating, non-diet, even the diet spaces who have the most amount of followers, <laughs> you know, it's like, you'll see a very mm -hmm. clear pattern. It's small, conventionally beautiful white women. And it's like, mm, I see a problem here. <laughs> like, because mm -hmm. it's just, yeah. uh, it's so, it's so difficult because like when you mentioned, if we don't take all of the nuances into account, Christina and I have been talking about this a lot with, um, the paradigm of like functional medicine and stuff of like, oh, mm -hmm. you know, if you have this, you should eliminate all these foods or, oh, if you just eliminate your stressors, then you'll be able to fix everything. When people do the whole productivity checklist of list of things that they've been giving and they're still not feeling better, there's then this kind of individualized element of, oh, it must be yes. my fault because they've given yes. me all of the tools. But then a huge shortcoming of that of one, there's there's no degree of, oh, if I do this right, it's going to fix everything. And then it also ignores a lot of the intergenerational trauma, early childhood trauma, like all of the things that have set the stage for you to be able to or not be able to do things like listen to your body, digest food in the most optimal way, have a right. very functioning and resilient nervous system, like all of these different things. And if we're not going to the extreme individual level 
then we're not going to be able to fully help the people. And the the impetus is not on you to figure it all out. It's not your fault if you can't figure it all out. We are practitioners with how many years in this field or how many years of clinical experience and research. We don't know everything. And let me tell you, anybody who tells you that they know everything, they know literally nothing. So run the other way. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's our Dunning-Kruger effect, y'all. High confidence uh, often means very low knowledge. (laughs) Yeah, but it's funny, right? Sometimes, yeah. Because Mm -hmm. like, and I think we've all expressed as practitioners in the field, we've all experienced this at some point. It's like, oh, you know, I'm just going into dietitian school or I'm just going into whatever. Like, I know so much about nutrition. You take your first class and you're like, I know nothing about nutrition. Oh, yeah. That first class is like, you know, macronutrient metabolism. And you thought you were just doing a little deep dive on carbohydrates. You did not expect to have to know every enzyme involved in the Krebs cycle. You did not expect to have to know uh, how beta cells do their job. or Like, you did not... You didn't realize what you were getting into. And what I will say is that often like that knowledge building and like learning and learning and learning, it does build confidence, but it also just teaches you that there's still so much we don't know. And there will always be so much that we don't know. Yes, which is humbling. Um, It's also why I don't, I really don't stick to like, here are the four things you need to do for X problem. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, it's clickbaity. Yes, someone will open your newsletter if you do that. Um, I do think honesty is great. Like if I'm going to write a list of seven things, I'm going to tell you that there's a list of seven. I'm not going to say that there's six and here's a bonus, right? Like <laughs> I will tell you honestly how many are there, but I think we can't just say that there's 10 ways to heal your leaky gut or there's four ways to fix adrenal fatigue or like whatever those, I, I'm using those examples from the functional medicine world, right? Because those are often the scenarios which, you know, you do everything you're supposed to do. And then it's not uncommon for providers to say, well, what is it that you missed? Mm-hmm. You know, are you sure that you did what you were supposed to do? Are you sure? Um, and we often will gaslight ourselves in that way too. Um, I think it's so important for people to know that like, just because someone has a degree, just because someone is an expert, they're not an expert on you. Mm-hmm. And it really does need to be, you know, an ongoing relationship and conversation with a provider for you to get the best possible care. And the best possible care is not accessible in an Instagram post. Exactly. And for a lot of people, depending on your financial situation, your resources, you're not going to be able to access or afford the level of the, you know, quote, best level of care that you need, right? So of course, we understand Mm -hmm. why people will go to free resources. Well, you know, free, quote unquote, uh, like Instagram or TikTok or, you know, anything like that. But at the same time, it's like, as the people who are on the other side of that, yeah, we're trying to provide you information as best you can, but I can't give you all the nuance of nutritional biochemistry of the Krebs cycle in one image on Instagram or something, right? Sometimes what we might do is like, oh, here's a little bit of a clickbaity thing so that you can come listen to this hour-long podcast episode. One of my favorite things, I think I told this story on an interview recently, is like, I don't even remember what the post was, but someone was basically like, well, what about the nuance of this? And what about the nuance of this? And what about the nuance of this? And it was because it was one of those like, you know, Twitter style Instagram posts and stuff. And I was like, well, actually, we did an entire hour long podcast episode about this. And this is just one <laughs> quote from the episode. So I would highly recommend that you check that out because we talk a lot yes. about the nuance. And the person didn't respond, but I'm sure on the other end, they were just like, oh, <laughs> I would hope so. I would I would hope that we can look at Instagram posts, tweets, et cetera, and identify there's probably more to this that could be explored. Uh, it may or may not have anything 
thing to do with me. <laughs> may or may not, may not apply to me and that's okay. Um, those are muscles we need to learn how to flex on social media, mm -hmm. right? Is opting in, opting out, identifying if it serves you or not, unfollowing and, and muting, asking questions, all of that good stuff. I will say that what has blown my mind being in private practice, and maybe this is like a, an abrupt swerve, is I am sort of appalled at how the the not pricing structures, but I am sort of like I, I work in Louisiana. And it's very interesting to to serve an in-person practice where I have to sort of meet the needs of the community who are also paying for physical therapy out of pocket at a certain rate or other specialists at a, at a rate. And then to have the online space be so specifically nuanced, like here is the boot camp, six weeks, undiet yourself, right? Like whatever it might be at a price that like somebody might blink six times and be like, that can't be the right number. So I do think uh, I will also make a lot of space for the fact that if your health insurance isn't covering what you need covered for you, and you also feel like that perfect program is also too many zeros afterwards that you can't afford, it does put people in the position to really reach for information, Yeah, right? And just kind of feel like, what can I piece together here? Because things aren't covered by my insurance or I don't have insurance and I could never afford this $2,000 group program, like whatever it might be. So I do get it. I do see why people reach and reach and have to, they ask for new ones in the comments and it's like, man, you can't really provide that care yeah. on Instagram. Yes, exactly. But that's why the podcast is free. Um, yes, <laughs> you know. exactly, exactly. But yes. on that note about financial resources, right? If you feel, if you've found someone who you really feel like you've connected with their story and you really relate to them and you feel like you're going to have a great vibe in terms of a practitioner patient relationship, and you see that their rates are too high for you, there is no harm in asking if they offer a sliding scale. Oh my most, gosh, 100%. Most providers, including myself, Christina, I know you do, we all mm -hmm. offer sliding scale, right? And like, I don't require any just, I don't need W-2s, I don't need justification. It's just, no. you ask me for sliding scale, here you go. Here you go, right? I don't, I don't need to know right. anything about that, right? Like, that's fine. Do we want people who don't, need that to take advantage of it? No, because we have to pay our own bills too. But at the same time, it would be a huge disservice if we didn't offer that, right? But so speaking of making um, nutrition information and health information more accessible and free, hello podcast, right? Is let's talk a little bit more about how you recommend making nutrition shifts without like becoming obsessed or feeling like you need to eliminate your cultural foods or any of these different boundaries yeah, for people. Uh Whew, um, I love talking about this. I think this is some of the most like valuable stuff because this is for the people in limbo, right? The people that like aren't really sure, uh, how am I going to take care of myself if I'm not dieting? Dieting is in alignment with health, right? Um, when you realize that the answer is actually maybe not. Um, focusing on nutrition without getting obsessed with it comes down to a few things, right? Obviously, intention is important. We can have all the best intentions and it still goes poorly. <laughs> However, I still think it's very important for us to acknowledge what is the intention of me making a nutrition shift. And it will probably be to poop better, to be more hydrated so I can do my workouts without getting dizzy, like functional, happy, wonderful things. So I can sleep through the night without waking up hungry or so I can not have to take lactate because I've really been bending the rules on my <laughs> lactose intolerance, like whatever it is. So I think be real with yourself. And then second, I think go slow. 
we are very quick to hit that gas pedal of, I got to do it all. I got to do it perfectly. I got to do that full elimination protocol. That's what worked last time. Think, you know, zoom out a little and look at this is where I am in my life. What is a small shift I can make uh, that can make me feel better? Like, am I eating within one to two hours of waking up in the morning? Am I, am I not doing that? Maybe I could try. And if I'm not hungry for food, maybe I have a snack. And is that snack you know, going to have carbs and some protein. Am I not ready for that? Does that feel a little bit like too much? Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to wind it back. I'm just going to focus on eating. And in a couple of weeks, if I can do that really well, I'm going to focus on making sure I have some fiber or some carbs or some protein, whatever it is that your body is asking for or needs. I think really focusing on a slow scaffolded runway because it can't just be, I feel better right now. And I hate saying that. I hate acknowledging that because I want everyone to feel better right now. And I want you to feel better and stay feeling better. So if we can do this slow and gradually and you learn the habits and routine that support your food intake and support what you need for your life, you're more likely to hold on to that and more likely to figure out, you know, what are the issues that arise? I will say the, you know, pieces about, let's say it's sugar. That's a hard one, right? Like if you feel like, oh, my sugar intake is disrupting me. I'm getting migraines or I get stomach aches or like something is off. That can feel like I'm on a diet, right? Like, oh, I'm eating less sugar. Well, the reframe, right? The intention is important. Slow, gradual shift. And also what happened last time? And what were your behaviors like? What were your mindsets? How did you talk to yourself the last time you cut out sugar or decreased your sugar intake? Those are your breadcrumbs. And you have to be able to kind of notice, oh, I'm doing that thing again, because those are your cues that you might be becoming obsessed with a habit. If you're starting to equate it to your worth or the whole day is ruined, if you have a piece of candy, like, oh, I'm doing that thing again. And being a really strong advocate for your mental health, being an advocate for your relationship with food. The last thing I'll say here that I think is the most important is that your relationship with food is a relationship just like a person, just like a family member. And you have to instill a little bit of trust and a little bit of give and take and kind of, you know, nourish that relationship. You can't just fully ignore it because suddenly you got an, a high A1C. You know, you have to nourish it and give it that time and attention that it deserves because you're going places with it, not against it. Let it be known that I was not the first one on this episode to bring up gut stuff <laughs> and poop, even <laughs> though I am the gut specialist here. <laughs> Here I am. I am just bringing it forward. I the love doors it. Doors are open. The listeners, though, I love talking about poop and gut stuff because it's such a, it's such a tell, right? And it is. It's the tell yeah. for many things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, hey, how how are we doing on the inside? Well, <laughs> just take a look and see. Yep. You know. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, I mean, the especially the stuff about sugar, right? Because I find that this is definitely one of the hardest areas to talk to to people about with a non-diet, non-restrictive mindset. Because there is research that shows, you know, consuming a certain degree of sugar can contribute to or be correlated to, you know, certain things, migraines, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And at the same time, we have to take into account, okay, well, what's your history of your relationship with food? If you were a chronic whole 30 year for however many years, and even <laughs> just the thought of not even eliminating, right? Just like saying, oh, I'm going to try and not have ice cream for a couple of days and see how it goes for me. If that triggers you into a binge cycle, we're not there. 
<laughs> right? That's we right. pull That's back. Because right. like what you were saying with like, what's my intention of doing this? I think it's so important to go back to that. Even with the, you know, weight loss conversation that we were mentioning before with all these different clients that you have and people who assume like, oh, you know, losing weight is going to be my holy grail to unlock all of these different things that I want for my life. Well, let's actually flip that on its head. If the things that you actually want are better sleep, better digestion, you know, more energy, more regular blood sugar, better cholesterol numbers, we can work on all of those things without pursuing intentional weight loss, right? And Mm -hmm. the stuff with like migraines or whatever, you know, side effects that you may be having as a result of consuming sugar or if you have a food intolerance or an allergy or whatever it is. Yeah, there there are things that we can do to support your body in different ways without celiac and anaphylactic allergies aside, <laughs> without removing sugar, right? Without saying you can never have this food ever again or even for an extended period of time because there's no whole 30 type mindset that's like, oh, if I had a candy bar today, I have to start over on day one of 30 tomorrow because like you mentioned, it's a relationship. There's a give and take. There's no like 30 day boot camp that's going to fix your relationship with food no matter how much whole 30 promises that or no matter how much these other programs promise that either. So something I think in the vein of the line that you, a line of thinking that you just shared is I find that when folks occupy a non-diet space or they want to practice non-diet education, it is sometimes hard to find the words. Um, I I feel comfortable with it because I love nutrition education, but I find that some folks are a little unsure of how to provide nutrition education around a situation like like that because they kind of feel like they're going to trigger their client or they're going to, you know, go down the slippery slope of dieting with their client or they're going to say the wrong thing. Um, and I'm not sure if, you know, you have a population of clinicians that listen, but I would, I think it's helpful to talk about food and nutrition and body, like, you know, bowel movements and like GERD symptoms yeah. and what happens to your hair when you don't eat enough iron? Like what happens to your skin and your texture of your, you know, your anything, like what happens to your body when food is not doing what it needs to do in the body? That is so important. And I see there's a lot of like food freedom and a lot of like up here in your head push on social media, which is so beautiful because we all need that. <laughs> like we all need to feel better and less stress around food because that certainly isn't helping the absorption of those nutrients anyway. However, and also, um, I think that what you offer, what I can hear in that breakdown is you also know a lot about the nutrition and being comfortable talking about nutrition while making space for the fact that you might not be ready for whatever that shift is, if it's even necessary. And knowing like that there are other external lifestyle factors that affect GI symptoms, that affect you know, how we feel in our body, how we're sleeping, that it isn't all about food, but you need to have that embrace around nutrition education to be able to do that. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, which I think is really hard because for a portion, not everybody, of the anti-diet movement, a lot of it is seems like a complete rejection of all nutrition information because a lot of the studies around nutrition are centered around weight loss, right? And it's like, okay, well, just because we're not following diets anymore doesn't mean that nutrition doesn't exist and that, you know, our body our bodies don't need specific nutrients for the Krebs cycle and for nutrient metabolism and to make thyroid hormones and all of these other things. So I find that, you know, using, being able to present 
nutrition and physiology and pathophysiology and the way that nutrition is connected there, I find is a really, really um, important neutral tool to be able to use with people because it takes the blame and the impetus and everything off them. It's like, no, no, no. You're, yes, you're not failing yes. at something because, you know, you've eaten sugar or, you know, whatever it is, or you were a phrase that I hate in the functional medicine community and fitness community as well as like non-compliance, right? Ah, uh, yes. I hate mm-hmm. that so much. But like, it's basically like, it's not your fault. Like, no, your hair is not going to grow properly. Like all these things aren't going to happen if you don't have enough iron. And if you don't have enough iron, it's like, okay, well, we can get that more from dietary sources. We can get it from supplementary sources. But we also need to go another level deeper and figure out, does your body have the capacity to absorb iron? Then we look at things mm-hmm. like stomach acid, mm-hmm. vitamin A and ceruloplasmin and zinc and copper and all these other things. And people are just like, whoa like nobody's ever talked to me about this before (laughs) you know and it can help people feel a lot better because it's like it's not your fault you know because once you can really I was talking to a client about this the other day about you know the layer cake that we are you know you're not you're not a two-layer cake you're like a hundred layer hundred level layer cake right and if you've only gone down the first five layers it's like okay well now we've figured out that your body's having issues utilizing iron Maybe because you have low stomach acid, maybe because you're lacking in these different nutrients. Okay, let's figure out, well, why do we, what's contributing to low stomach acid, right? What are the different circumstances that are leading to this? And it's almost kind of like when a toddler is always asking like, oh, why, you know, oh, why? It's Mm -hmm. kind of like that. It's like, well, let's go on this process of kind of discovery together and figure out what are the things that are actually within our control in relation to our health? What are the things that we have access to, that we have resources for, that we have, you know, the financial capability for? What are the free resources that I can use? And then also, how do I meet myself where I am? Because I find a lot of the time people will get or learn about all these different tools that they can use and then they're so overwhelmed and they're already burned out and exhausted and have gut issues and everything like that. And they're like, well, now I feel bad because I have all the tools that I could be using, but I don't have the capacity to use all these tools. And then they feel like they're doing it to themselves again. No, 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 no. Take a step back. Take a seat. (laughs) Right? It's Mm -hmm. one thing at a time. Again, going back to what you said is like, what's my intention? Meet yourself where you are with compassion and grace and a mindset of curiosity rather than judgment. And we'll we'll figure it out from there. Yeah. Oh, completely. I mean, it's so quick to, especially with um, thyroid issues, which I have a lot of clients with thyroid issues, to want to just like do all the things. And, you know, sometimes we look at overall intake and because of nutrition knowledge and not because, you know, yes, all the nutrition studies and, and even well, the way um, studies are even funded is screwy and not okay. Right. Um, and like, if we know that you aren't meeting like your basic micronutrient <laughs> panel <laughs> of intake, like that's a cool start for us to talk about selenium and potassium. Like, whoa, that could be a cool thing. Um, there, I, I studied micronutrients in grad school. That was my thesis work. Like, I just have so much love for minerals that I think that part of me, uh, it really does help bridge the gap. Because if folks really do struggle with, I'm not taking care of my health because I'm not dieting, you can really show them like, what if there weren't any rules? Well, we just looked at what you're missing and what is going on in your body and how you're feeling. And we could connect the dots that maybe you're feeling this way because you don't need a carbohydrate until 2 p.m. Or you don't need any protein in the morning. Your your biggest amount of protein is at dinner. Well, your hormones run on amino acids, right? 
that's correct mm-hmm. right yeah <laughs> your head yes sometimes, sometimes I'm like is that is that correct I feel like I say it all the time and people are like are you sure about that <laughs> no yes. you're right you're right <laughs> yes like your your whole metabolism runs on tiny little nutrients and if we aren't starting our day with them well yeah we might feel like shit but it's that's no reason to do a juice cleanse you know um so I think having providers that can kind of fearlessly educate and not in a, not in like an asinine way, but really compassionate way to say, if you can trust me on this, and I know provider trust is hard. I struggle with that myself. If you can trust me on this and we try it one thing at a time and you can always say, no, I'm not doing that. Like, let's see what we can discover and let's see what we can find out because nutrition really is beautiful to me. It's why I changed careers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a beautiful thing um, and it can make us feel a whole lot better within, you know, within the capacities that it can. Yes, exactly. That's also why I changed my career. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think, you know, part of this is a, well, a lot of this is a systemic issue, right? But so when we start to peel back the layers of what is the main, what are the main sources of nutrition education in dietetics, in new, grad school nutrition programs and everything like that, most of what we're taught, even if you're coming at it from an integrative lens or something like that, is elimination to, quote, fix things, right? None yeah, of us yeah. were taught an add-in approach. Yes, we are taught, oh, if you're having thyroid issues, maybe you need zinc, selenium, L-tyrosine, like all these different things. But it's instead of like, oh, let's focus on adding in those nutrients and the foods that have those. It's like, let's eliminate all the potentially inflammatory foods that could be preventing you from absorbing these nutrients. It's like, well, if I don't have the nutrients in the first place, then I can't absorb them, (laughs) you know? And so- Even if you're in an integrative program, that's what you're getting. And if you're in a dietetics program and it's much more kind of, you know, RDA focused or, you know, less functional, holistic, integrative, whatever you want to call it, it can feel even more limiting. So, of course, I find a lot of people who move to the non-diet space, the intuitive eating space, the anti-diet space are a lot of people who are coming from the RD route. And it's kind of a very radical rejection of the lot, a lot of the things that we've been taught, right? Which like, awesome, first step. We love it, yes. you know, weight-inclusive care and everything. But it's, it's hard for us as practitioners because then it's like, well, hold on. <laughs> All the things that I've been taught in school, like while, yes, they can be useful at a fundamental level of understanding nutritional biochemistry and nutrients and how the way that physiology works and everything like that. But then there's a huge gap in between, well, if we want to use more of an add-in mentality and meet our clients where they are, it's kind of like you you then have to figure out how to do a lot of this on your own and do continue education and everything like that. And that is very financially limiting in a career path where most of the people, I forget what the exact statistic is right now, but it's I feel like at least 95% white women. I think, yeah, I think something, it's definitely the 90s for sure. 93, 95, something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we're just, you know, handing out the white people diet, basically. (laughs) Mediterranean diet, which has the most amount of research about anything on it, which like, okay, yay for nutrition research, but also like, we're not just going to be saying, oh, your culture or your like your people is unhealthy because you eat your cultural foods. That's a very colonizing way to think. Yes, it sure is. Sure is. And Mediterranean, like, are you just talking about like cute Italian people? Like right. we're on the Mediterranean. Yes, really. exactly. I mean, we've got lots of different folks of different races along the Mediterranean. And there's also elements of like 
how cherry picked is that right mm-hmm. um so like there's the mediterranean diet capital m capital d and then there's the way of mediterranean people yes <laughs> and the cultures of mediterranean yes. people that are not being included multitude here. of cultures uh, <laughs> yeah i will say to your point like it does require a lot of education if you are a practitioner and you're listening to this um examine.com right easy subscription you get um summaries are in i actually love a dietitian i don't know if he's still working there but it's a dietitian i love super um research heavy and he writes the summaries for examiner he did for a while so it was kind of cool to see that um you know he would go through 100 studies in a week or something and write all the summaries and that is such an accessible resource for you to kind of be clued in to well what are they saying about lowering your cholesterol because there are still dietitians telling people to stop eating eggs mm-hmm. right or like to only eat egg whites situation like yeah like that. my primary care the other day <laughs> <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> Bingo. Um, there, there are such great avenues for us to learn. And if we're interested, there are accessible options too. I think part of it is also recognizing that like there's shame. I think there's a little bit of shame wrapped up, maybe a lot of bit of shame of having this like potentially like disordered eating brought you into nu- the nutrition field or wanting to learn about your own body brought you into the nutrition field or an unresolved eating disorder or like whatever it might've been, or just like curious interest and then you learned the way of the bariatric diet and you learned like the the rules for BMI and how to calculate someone's ideal body weight which is a weird actual thing I had to memorize oh yeah like a, an actual formula mm-hmm. um and to be masterful of it right to like know it and get good grades in it there is some shame in recognizing like huh that might not have been it. Yeah. <laughs> that might not have been everything. And then frustration and saying, I've got all this debt and now I've got to learn more. Um, and what I'll say is we never regret learning. Right. We never regret uh, changing our minds a little bit with better information. So how wonderful to give ourselves and most importantly, our clients our listeners here, a chance to say, oh my gosh, my provider really knows a thing or two. And I feel so much better. Like we deserve, we deserve that. And they deserve that too. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, back to your point also of, oh my gosh, is (laughs) hi, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me kind of thing. (laughs) When you graduate from school. I mean, I think it's becoming more and more common now is that people both during their RD and nutrition programs and right after are kind of jumping into this non-diet space. That was not a thing when I was coming out of school or in school or anything. And most of the listeners who are here, if they've been here since the beginning, will know that I was a Whole30 coach for a year. I was part of the problem, right? And so there is a lot or there, you know, there was like a lot of shame and guilt and like, oh my God, am I creating more issues? And then, you know, you... You can't blame yourself for that kind of stuff. Just like I don't want any of the listeners to put blame on themselves or be like, oh my gosh, you know, I was trying to lose weight or I was trying to, you know, quote, fix my symptoms or anything. So I followed all these different elimination protocols and now here we are with a binge restrict cycle and so many fear foods and, you know, I still feel like I'm back at square one. You were just doing the best you could with the information that you had, you know, and like you were saying, no learning is, you know, necessarily bad learning. You, with all of those protocols that you did, all these different things, you learned another piece of something that you either found can be helpful to you going forward, or you learned, hey, <laughs> that's not for me. And we can leave that as part of our past. <laughs> yes. You know, I'll give you a good example of that. I uh, worked in a metabolic 
uh, lab. And I did RMR, VO2 max, and body composition testing with a DEXA scan as well as an in-body scan. And what do they have in every CrossFit gym but an in-body scanner? And I decided... You know, I'm not going to tell my gym owner that this $10,000 piece of equipment is taking up space. Oh, you didn't you know, go like smash it like, with a know. hammer? That's kind of what I was expecting <laughs> no. you were going to say. <laughs> oh, no, but I did see an Instagram reel about that one time. Like, you know, in real life, y'all, you can't quite just, like, destroy machinery. Especially <laughs> when it costs $10,000. $5? K. <laughs> yeah, and it's not yours. And I had the ability to say, you know... I've scanned a thousand some people for this sports nutrition study I was in. And I know how so many of them feel when they use this. And what if we utilize this uh, as a way to kind of acknowledge that like, yeah, this is a test of hydration. It's not like this body fat percentage number is highly irrelevant after a workout. It's also highly irrelevant, period. If you're not really in need of being on this thing, like, why are we doing this? You know, if you don't have to uh, compete in a powerlifting meet, you have to be 85 kilograms or something. Um, So being able to use my knowledge in a space with maybe I thought like, oh, that's so uncomfortable. I wouldn't want any other non-diet practitioner to know that one of those is in my gym. I'm kind of like, actually, fuck it. Because... Sorry, I don't know if you nope, have a you're good. thing. <laughs> um, I just assumed, ask for forgiveness. I kind of feel like I'd so much rather empower people with information, not about the scan, but like about the technology. Yes, exactly. Like, right? Like um, being able to talk someone through, oh, I got on my scale. My scale said my body fat percentage was higher than ever. I'm so nervous. It put me in the red zone. I can say, well, if you're not hydrated and you're not using a piece of machinery like a DEXA scan or a BOD pod, for example, like those numbers could be anywhere from maybe 10 or 11 percentage in either direction off. Like maybe we don't put so much stock in that number because it's actually not an accurate read of your health or even of your actual body fat percentage. Um, certainly not of your performance. So that's such a good, I'm glad that you laid that up because I just really needed that like Shaquille O'Neal moment to just like, yes, like you can reutilize the information you learned for the better, should you need to. Go up for the dunk. I got you on the assist. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I love it. Okay, I feel like we could talk about this forever, but I do want yes. to be respectful of your time. Um, Thanks. So with the not ebook that you're not selling, <laughs> tell everybody where they can find you, all the places. Yeah. And your podcast okay. too. Yeah. So thanks so much for, for another layup here. Um, I, <laughs> I am um, vitamin re on Instagram, vitamin underscore RI. Um, and that's primarily where I'm at. I do sometimes put myself on TikTok, but uh, it's a slow burn yeah. right now. Um, where I'm really doing a lot, uh, a lot more work is actually my newsletter. And that goes out every Sunday and that's called Sunday Brunch. Um, it is a more heartfelt and more uh, expanded upon newsletter talking about relevant content, either to the news or where people are, you know, just like culturally, societally, where, how we're feeling that week. And I accompany it with a playlist every week because I love, love, love music. Ooh, love um, yes, yes. And Rest Days is the podcast with Lauren Lavelle and I. And we talk about fitness and nutrition and the nuances of both. And every episode features a clickbait. And clickbait is, you know, like the awful thing we saw on social media that week that is just so laughable. It's the only thing that we can do but sit back and laugh. Or it's like a painful clickbait that one of us fell for. Yeah. So that's real too. <laughs> I love that. That's, That's such a, a cool idea. <laughs> yes, we love it. And our guests will always have a clickbait as well. Or we'll invite them to share one, which is good. 
Um, and then if you would like to get in contact with me, uh, email is always fine. Hello at mariaterrynutrition.com. Yeah. Well, thanks again for coming yeah. on. Thank you so much for having me. Hey friends, it's Dana. And thanks so much for listening to the Wholehearted Eating Podcast today. Find us on social media at Wholehearted Eating Pod on Instagram and at wholeheartedeating.com for more information about working with Dana and Christina for one-on-one nutrition counseling. If you love the show, we would love you forever if you'd share an episode with your family and friends or tag us on social media or leave a five-star rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts to help more people find the show. Check out patreon.com slash wholeheartedeating to help support the show and get access to ad-free episodes, bonus episodes with us and our guests, episode discussions, new resources we're creating for Patreon, and so much more. If you have questions for us, feedback on the show, potential topics or guests you'd love to have on, shoot us an email at hello at wholeheartedeating.com and we'll see you next week.